you have your Bibles today, I invite you to turn to Psalm 33. Uh, Psalm 33, we're going to focus our attention there today. Uh, We're going to deal with the question that asks, how does a person who worships Jesus Christ alone, uh, how can we, who are followers of Christ, allow that worship to intersect with patriotism? How does a person be appropriately patriotic. Uh, Baptists have traditionally been very cautious in this area. We've historically held to a strong separation of church and state. We don't believe that any faith should be forced from the government. And furthermore, the majority of Baptists don't want their faith to be identified with any political party. Uh, The party might head in a direction that is uh, dishonoring to Christ. And a chosen leader may fail to uphold the morality that should come with one who's walking with the Lord. We also don't want anyone to think that being an American is as important as being a Christian. Uh, We are first and foremost believers in Jesus Christ. Our hope is built on nothing less than the fact that Christ died for our sin, that through his death, Our sins can be forgiven and we can stand right before God and clean forever and righteous before God and one day dwell in his presence with all of the saints because of what Christ has done. That is who we are. We are first and foremost Christians and we show up every week, even the 4th of July, to worship Jesus Christ as the only Lord, the only Savior, and the only hope. But we are also Americans. And one of the difficult things about being a pastor is learning uh, how to guide a congregation uh, of people as they express their patriotism, especially when they express it when we come and worship together. Every church has a group of people who want a more patriotic display. We should do more. And every church has people who would say we should say nothing. And both of those gather together in in worship of our Lord. I I have heard those who want more patriotism talk like they believe that the America is the new Israel. It's not, by the way. I've had others who have said that uh, American greatness is prophesied in the Bible. I've not found it. I've heard some speak as if Jesus was an American and somehow he loves us more which he doesn't. Uh, I've been around people who have God and country days and God seems to be little g and country seems to be all caps. Um, they, They seem to confuse patriotism with Christianity. If you're a Christian, you fly your flag high. You say your pledge with gusto and and you get misty eyed when Lee Greenwood speaks or sings. Full disclosure, I might be guilty of all of those. I am guilty of all of those. But that fact doesn't make me Christian. But then there's the other side. Church leaders who feel that any kind of nationalistic display is completely inappropriate. In their mind, we're we're here to worship God alone, and the argument is, since we worship God alone, it's idolatry to pay honor uh, to our nation. But we know James 1, 
And James 1.17 says that every good and perfect gift is from above. And I don't know about you, I know a good gift when I see one. Uh, we should give thanks for the blessings of living in America. And by the way, if it's idolatry to give thanks for living in America, is it not also idolatry to give thanks for having a godly mother? Or idolatry for uh, giving thanks for, for your fathers? I don't think there's anything wrong with us that if we see that America is a gift from God and living in a land of freedom is a gift for us, I think it is fine for us. But some act like it's not. Some have bought the narrative that America is an oppressive place, that it was founded by people who wanted to keep people oppressed, and therefore they developed a system to allow them to perpetuate their hold. And it is true that we have had oppressors in our past, and it is true that some of our founding fathers were guilty of heinous sin. Some of them were even slaveholders. And it's obvious that our country has struggled with righteousness, the treatment of Native Americans, the suppression of women's rights, the Jim Crow laws. And I'm sure we still have our flaws, undoubtedly. But the beauty of our country is not the character of our founders or the perfection of our present. It's the pursuit. It's the course-correcting nature of our country that pursues life and liberty and justice. By the way, those are things that our God loves. And he loves them dearly. And it's something that we should be grateful for, even if we fall short at times. But many don't see it. Some are not grateful because they feel persecuted or they feel left out or left behind. And I understand that. As Christians, it should break our heart and trouble us if people are being marginalized in our land. I believe history shows that our country uh, has allowed the space for people of faith to fight for, for good things for those who've been marginalized. And I'm grateful for that. Some aren't grateful because they're just critical people. In America, you have the right to say what you want, even criticize our government. But some seem to abuse this privilege. They're always griping. They have to find something to gripe about. Corporate uh, corruption, environmental pollution, or big government, or excessive taxation, or racial oppression, or favored treatment of minorities. From both sides, there are overly critical people who constantly complain about our land. And my fear is that our focus on so much of our faults has risen to the level that we become blind to our assets. In my life, I've taken numerous short-term mission trips. I'm getting ready to go this fall for the eighth time to Brazil. I've been to underdeveloped parts of Mexico, and I've been in Africa in the lowest of third world situations in Niger. Every time when I arrive back on U.S. soil, I have a new appreciation for how good we have it here. Paul Harvey said, America, with all our faults, is still far ahead of whoever's in second place. We're still the only country in the world where people are standing in line to get in rather than climbing over barbed wire fences or braving the high seas in small boats dying to get out. But here's my question. How do you balance those two things? Pride in our country and Christ having his rightful place as the only Lord in our life. How can you be appropriately patriotic I want to look at Psalm 33 because I believe in this text we see a balanced perspective of how to have pride in your land and trust in God alone. 
The first thing that I want to focus on in this text uh, is, is going to uh, show us that, that all nations are temporary and only God is eternal. That's why we can't put our hope in our nation. Only God is eternal. Notice verse 10. The Lord frustrates the counsel of the nations. He thwarts the plans of the peoples. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart from generation to generation. Historian Arnold Toynbee traced 21 major civilizations and says that 19 of them collapsed from moral decay from within. He says it happened generally and quietly when no one was aware of what was happening and they slowly rotted from within. He said there were two others conquered by outside forces, but his point were all 21 civilizations fell. Every powerful nation in history has eventually been toppled. And we need to remember that while uh, the United States might be the most powerful, uh, uh, prosperous nation that has ever been in the history of the world, it is not a permanent nation. The lesson of history and the reminder of Scripture is this. There will come a day when the United States will no longer be. There will come a time where we will no longer be a nation as we know it. I don't know how many of you have movies that you watch sometimes when they come on, but when the 68 version of Planet of the Apes comes on, I have to watch it. I don't know why. It is a total waste of time, but, but I do. The captain of a spaceship, played by Charlton Heston, is carried into this bizarre future uh, through time travel, and he winds up in this desolate, barbaric, violent place. And he has no idea where he's at, but apes have evolved in, on this planet and they're superior to human beings. And do you remember the ending? Heston is riding a horse on a beach and he sees the Statue of Liberty buried with just her head and the torch sticking out of the sand and he realizes that he's not on another planet. He's in his own country, which has been devastated by nuclear disaster. He curses the people of America because uh, they are no more. They failed to preserve its blessings and freedoms. For those of you who are old enough, do you remember how you felt on September 11th? Do you remember that feeling of insecurity? I had similar feelings on June 6th. I also had those feelings as I watched cities being looted and burned throughout the summer. I'm not accustomed to seeing this unrest in my land. These events should remind us of our vulnerability. Our hope must be in God alone. God alone is eternal. God alone is worthy of trust. We're citizens of a country that is made by God, a city that is made by God, and we eagerly wait for a Savior from there. Our Savior is not here. Our land cannot be our only hope. We can be grateful for what we have, but our hope must always be in Christ and what he has done for us. Secondly, I believe that if we had put our hope in Christ first and foremost and we remember to honor that God honors the nation that honors him we are being appropriately patriotic 
Notice verse 12 of this same chapter. Happy is the nation whose God is the Lord. Now some people believe this is a promise for Israel alone and they'll quickly say, we're not a theocracy, pastor. Well, you're right, we're not a theocracy, but this is a promise to all nations. You know how I know that? I keep reading. Verse 11, or verse 13, the Lord looks down from heaven and he observes everyone. He gazes on all the inhabitants of the earth from his dwelling place. He forms the hearts of them all. He considers all their works. And he blesses the nation who humbles himself before him. I believe that God will honor any nation that makes him their ruler. Everyone in here would have to concede that we've been blessed. If you don't concede that we have been blessed as American, you look foolish. We have been blessed in unparalleled resources. Timber and coal and gas and oil and fertile soil and fresh water and beautiful scenery. We've been blessed with incredible freedoms. Freedom to travel, freedom to worship, speak, freedom to speak our mind without fear. We've been blessed with amazing opportunities. We're a land where a young man or a young woman can grow up in a housing project and become the president of the United States. We, we are blessed with a stable government. David Barton points out that during the past 200 years, France has had five different forms of government. Italy has had 51. But our constitutional republic has lasted for over 200 years. Why are we so durable? That's the question. Why are we so prosperous? Why are we so blessed? Are we more intelligent? Are we more industrious? I don't think so. I believe it's faith in God. And the fact that faith in God has played a major role in the history of our country. We're not perfect, and y'all know that. We need healing for our land. But, but we have honored God in our past. Faith in God inspired the settlement of America. Some settlers came to America because of money or the opportunity of a new land, but most came because of religious freedom. On November 11, 1620, the first colonists came to America uh, in New England, and the Mayfire Compact states that their purpose was for the glory of God and the advancement of the Christian faith. In 1643, the colonies of Massachusetts, Connecticut, and New Plymouth, and New Haven joined together to form a united government of the New England Confederation, and its charter affirmed this, we all came into these parts of America with one and the same end and aim, namely to advance the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. Faith influenced our settlement. It also influenced our education. Harvard was founded in 1636. You know what its purpose was? To train ministers. In 1692, they adopted the motto, Veritas Christo Ecclesia, Truth for Christ and the Church. In fact, 106 of the first 108 colleges in our land and universities in our land were founded with the purpose of extending the Christian faith. Faith encouraged the leaders of America. Despite our flaws, our greatest national leaders declared their dependence on the wisdom and the guidance of God. George Washington said, it's impossible to rightly govern the world without God and the Bible. John Quincy Adams, the sixth president, thought that July 4th should be a religious holiday when we gave thanks to Jesus Christ for what he had done. Abraham Lincoln 
said, I believe the Bible is the best gift God has ever given to man. All the good from the Savior of the world is communicated to us through this book. And faith shaped the heart of America. Revisionist historians suggest that America was founded as a neutral nation by people who want to suppress and oppress others. They say that our forefathers intended God to be left out altogether. That is ridiculous. It's insanity. The inscriptions etched on every early building testifies that we were founded on biblical principles. In God we trust appears in the chamber of the House of Representatives. The Supreme Court building portrays Moses holding the Ten Commandments. The Capitol Rotunda contains eight massive oil paintings, each depicting a major event in history. Four of these paintings uh, portray Jesus and, and the Bi- and events of the Bible. Over the dome of the Capitol is the inscription, one God, one law, one element, and one far-off divine event to which the whole creation moves. On the wall of the Jefferson Memorial, we read, God gave us life, and he gave us liberty. On the steps of the Washington Monument, there are stones with biblical inscriptions all the way to the top. And you know the top one reads? Praise be to God. Faith in God shaped the heart of America. How can we be appropriately patriotic, though? Because not everyone has our faith. I believe that we recognize that our, our hope is not in our wealth and it's not in our might. Verse 16. A king is not saved by a large army. A warrior will not be rescued by great strength. Verse 17, the horse is a false hope for safety. It provides no escape by its great power. But look, the Lord keeps his eye on those who fear him, those who depend on his faithful love to rescue them from death and to keep them alive in famine. Even though God was the ruler of of Israel, he instructed them to have an army and fight. Our military firepower serves as a strong deterrent to attack. Um, The United States military is still strong, and we should honor those who serve it. They made great sacrifices in time and comfort and sometimes even their lives to maintain our freedom. And we owe a debt of gratitude to every person who served in the military. We We owe a double thanks to every person who served in combat. My first church... I was 20 years old. Well, I went there when I was 18 years old. Kelly and I were married when I was 20 years old. We moved into a, a house when we first got married that was uh, owned by the chairman of our deacons. Uh, he was my landlord, and he also happened to storm the beaches of Normandy. Saving Private Ryan happened to come out the year that we lived there. I went to the movie I, and watched it and was devastated. I wanted to know more. Could that possibly real be real? It, it, it can't be that bad. And I went over to his house, and, and Mr. Elvis Rice was sitting on his front porch, uh, and I went over to his house after we watched the movie, and I asked him, would you share with me about your experience? And he looked straight ahead and wouldn't look at me. He shook his head and said, I cannot. I 
can't imagine the horrors that he tried to push out of his memory. I've not had to endure that kind of horror because he did. I'm thankful for our military. And I'd like to acknowledge those who serve our country. And if you've served our country or are serving our country, would you please stand so that we could thank you? this congregation I want to thank you again for help keeping America free and while we pray for and are proud of our soldiers our ultimate hope must be in God God empowered an impressive Israelite army to conquer all of Canaan but the history of Israel doesn't read as one great success from that point on it reads like a vicious cycle they'd obey God and prosper and then they'd become spiritually indifferent and suffer they would become indulgent and immoral and idolatrous, and then judgment would come. Sometimes a famine, sometimes a war, sometimes disaster. And they would repent and be obedient again. And he had blessed them, and it would last until complacency set back in. After hundreds of years, Israel became a statistic of one of the nations that crumbled from within. America has the most powerful army in the world but we aren't invincible. God can thwart our purposes with the flick of his finger. If we turn our backs on him, we can be humbled. The future of the USA does not rest in military might, but in the integrity of people. A hundred years ago, the French historian Alex de Tocqueville tried to analyze the secret of America's strength, and he wrote these words. The secret of its strength was in the pulpits of the land. America is great because America is good. If she ceases to be good, she will cease to be great. That's why so many students of the Bible and history are concerned about the moral meltdown of our country. The loss of respect. How many times do we see now videos of people being beaten, taken by people who are laughing in the background? The free press is now pressed for hire. One not controlled by the government, as our founders feared, but controlled by those who want to control the government. The rise of profanity in music, pornographic uh, industries, the degrading of women, the killing of the unborn, the endorsement of perversion, and the demand to applaud sexual deviancy are indications that our nation is turning its back on God. We're absolutely defying his word. We are absolutely moving away from God. And Deuteronomy 8 verse 19 says, If you forget the Lord your God and you follow other gods to serve them and bow and worship them, I testify against you today that you will certainly perish like the nations the Lord is about to destroy before you. If God so held Israel to such an account, don't you think that he will hold the United States of America to the same? That's why I would challenge you today to realize the most patriotic thing you can do for your country is live a godly life. And 
The most important patriotism is not saluting the flag properly or even standing at attention and singing the national anthem. It's not even voting wisely or crusading against the most threatening evil of our time. Those things are good, but the most helpful thing you can do for your country is to honor Jesus Christ in your daily life. Psalm 33:20 says, We wait for the Lord. He is our hope and shield. Our hearts rejoice in Him because we trust in His holy name. May your faithful love rest on us, Lord, for we put our hope in you. And may we seek the kingdom of God first and his righteousness. Put your faith in his grace. Let him, through the power of the Spirit within you, teach you to to trust and, and start to transform you into the image of Christ. Daniel Webster said, Whatever makes men good Christians makes them good citizens. But what does make men good Christians? Coming to church on the 4th of July? Saying the pledge? Singing a song that brings all the feels? What makes you a good Christian? Getting up every day and going to work? Telling the truth all the time? No. See, the Bible says that none of us are good. We've all fallen short of God's glory, and none of us can live a righteous life. There's not one of us who has the capacity to live a life that can hold a nation up. That's why we plead for the mercy of God and his grace extended to us, and we put our trust in what Christ has done for us. And when Christ is trusted, righteousness is imputed. And when you put your hope in him, peace abounds even when things look hopeless. And when you find your comfort in the fact that he holds your life and he will never let you go, even when some of the things that you love dearly seem to be slipping away, you don't melt down. I believe our world would be a better place for those of us who say that we put our hope in the name of of the Lord our God, Jesus Christ. I believe our country would be a better place if those of us who who say we put our hope in him live like our hopes in him. I do believe that is the best way we can be patriotic because the verse that we started with this morning we end with now. Righteousness exalts a nation and apart from Christ, righteousness exalts is not found. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and his righteousness. Let's pray. Father, I ask God that you would use this message to bring glory to yourself. Help us, God, to put our trust in Christ alone as our Savior, to trust you, God, as our sovereign King, to acknowledge that while we honor and are grateful for the place that you put us and the blessings you bring us, Lord, we worship you alone. God, we love you. We thank you for Christ. May our lives reflect his image. He is our hope 
in life and death. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.